Good morning, everyone. It is good to be together today. Welcome to Embrace. My name is John, and I just want to welcome you all here today. We uh, are going to spend some time worshiping and connecting with each other and with God today, and I'm really excited to be here. Um, like we've done uh, each week, uh, we're going to begin our time by reading a call to worship together. And so I invite you all to stand as you're able. And you all can join with me and y'all can say uh, back the parts that are in yellow that say all. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We're going to begin by just declaring uh, God's praise, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and then just connect with him this morning, and so uh, y'all can join with me. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high, your hidden glory and creation, now revealed in you are Christ, what a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, and nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you. Of your glory, for you 
So we know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. So let us in freedom confess the wrong that we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cries of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all Yeah. 
shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters I shall not be
sings that hallow our days in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet y'all to have a seat. So I meant to do this uh, a few songs ago, and I did not. Um, but we're going to take a moment just to share with one another like we do each week. We call this our time of gratitude and lament. This is our time when we get together and we just share with a few folks around us something we're grateful for. And then also you can share a lament if you have one. We recognize and embrace that life is not always good. There are a lot of hard things in our lives. We all go through tragedy and suffering and loss. And, and we also see just lots of injustice and difficulties around us. And so it's important to, to not only bring our gratitude and our praise to God and to the community, it's also important to bring our lament and our protest to God in the community as well. And the scriptures are full of both gratitude and lament. And so what I want y'all to do is just take a, a few moments, turn to maybe four, four or five folks around you, um, and just go around and share, make sure you introduce yourself, and then also share something you're grateful for, and then if you have a lament, you can also share that as well. Let's do that now, and I'll call you back together in just a moment.
All right, if y'all want to take just uh, 30 seconds or so, start wrapping up, that would be awesome. All right, if y'all want to direct your attention back up this way, that would be wonderful. We've got a special thing we're doing uh, this morning, so I need y'all to bring it back this way. I know we love talking to one another. We will give you plenty of time after the service to do that if you would love to. So today is an extra special day. Um, we have lots of extra special days here on Sundays, but today is special because um, a friend of mine has decided that she wants to become a member of the church and officially join up with us, and I'll invite her up in just a moment. First, I just want to say a, a brief word about membership. You know, you, you can come to Embrace and never be a member and be fully involved here. It's all good. Um, I know some people don't like the idea of becoming a church member, and that's totally fine. I will say that I really love it, though, when people decide to join our church and decide to become members. Um, in our culture today, I feel like people bounce around so much. Um, our culture today lacks commitment. Our, our culture today is just kind of like, let's do it until it feels right, and we're moving on to something else. It's kind of our mentality. And I love when people decide, like, no, nah, I'm, I'm actually going to put down roots in a place. I'm going to put roots down in a community, and I'm going to stick with this community through the ups and downs. And there's been lots of folks who have done that over the years. We've had people in our church that did that, you know, as many as like 70, 80 years ago and have still stuck with us to this day. And, and we've got to honor that legacy, right? Because that, that's commitment. And, and some of you all have just joined up even in the last, uh, you know, this last year. Um, and, and we've got everything in between. And so um, I just love it when people make that choice and say, hey, I want to dig in here. I want to become a member of this church. And I want to to really start to figure out how I can invest here and, and give um, from my giftings and my talents and my resources to help make this church successful. And so I want to invite Ra Riley uh, Chatterjee to come forward. Let's give Riley a hand as she comes to the front. Riley, you got a lot of applause. That was great. Um, so Riley, like I said, has decided to make Embrace Her Church home um, by, by becoming a member here. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions. And the first few you say, I do. Uh, the last few you'll say, I will. So I'll make sure you get it right. Um, and, and then I have kind of a charge for you all as well at the end. And so, Riley, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the, with the church, which Christ has opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races? And do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? And then these you'll answer, I will. Will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? 
Will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? And as a member of Embrace Church, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? All right, so Embrace Church, I commend this person right here, Riley, to your love and care. I encourage you to do all in your power to help her stay on the right path, following closely after her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love her, encourage her, challenge her, and push her closer to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's give Riley a warm welcome into our church family. So uh, now is the time uh, that the kids have been waiting for. Um, we have a ministry that we call the Wonder Room, and it is a time during the service where the kids get to go upstairs and have their own time of learning. And so I'd like to dismiss our children, ages four years old all the way up through fifth grade in elementary school. They can come over here. If you are a parent and you have a child in that range and it's your first time, I would love for you to walk with your child upstairs and make sure you have them signed in. And, and know what's going on, and Rachel will be up there to assist if you need that. But let's give our kids a round of applause as they come towards the front. We'll give them a moment to, to scoot on out of here. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer, and this is something that we've been doing for a few weeks now, and it has been very life-giving to me, and I know to many of you all. And so I'm going to kneel here at the altar, and I would invite anyone else, if they would like to take that posture of prayer and kneel at the altar with me, then you are invited to come forward and do that in just a moment. Um, during this time, I will give us some space just to be quiet. Um, some of you may have just kind of sent your kids off, and you need to kind of breathe and settle yourself a little bit. Um, we've had a lot of fun noise and music and all sorts of things up until now, and I really want us just to take a moment to settle down, to just breathe and connect with ourselves and with God, and so we can do that, and then I'll say a prayer on behalf of all of us, and then we'll close by saying the Lord's Prayer, and when we say the Lord's Prayer, I encourage you just to pay attention to the words on the screen uh, so you get the right version, and so um, I'm going to kneel here at the altar, and if anybody would like to join, you're invited to come up now. As we still our bodies and quiet our minds and our spirits, I encourage you just to breathe. Breathe in. Breathe out. And just be aware and, and reminded of God's eternal spirit that is hovering and moving all around us in this space. Moving in and out of our bodies, filling us up with life. 
creativity and inspiration and love. Sustaining us as we walk the journey of faith. As you breathe, be reminded that you are not alone. God is not far off. God is right here. Right here with us in this moment. Lord, we come to you this morning, and we are so grateful. We are so grateful that that you, the Almighty and all-powerful and awesome and amazing God, looks upon us with so much love and care and compassion. We are grateful that we are your prized creation, that we are your children, that we bear your image. Help us, Lord, to see your image in every person we encounter. And that we could have eyes to see one another the way that you see us. This morning, we have already offered up our praise. We have lifted up your name. We've declared that you are beautiful, that you are wonderful, that you are powerful. We've given you thanks for the way you walk with us through life, the way that we can lean on you, that we can trust in you, that we can be firm and strong and resolute and fortified, even in the face of great challenge, even when all hell might assail us, we can still be planted in your word and your strength. And God, it often feels like all the forces of hell are moving against us in this world, just trying to rip this world apart. God, I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see the kingdom. Because God, I'm trusting and I believe that the kingdom is at work among us. We thank you for the small yet not insignificant ways that your kingdom is moving and growing all among us. Help us to have eyes to see where the kingdom is sprouting and growing in places maybe that we choose not to look. And help us to trust that things are happening even when we cannot see it. Lord, we we affirm this morning that your spirit moves in mysterious ways And help us to trust in that. And trust that you are moving even when it's hard to tell. Even when it's hard to see your face. Even when it's hard to see much progress in our lives. When we're trying to do better. When we're trying to be better. 
Help us, Lord, to trust and to continue to walk with you and to continue to partner with you in our own transformation and also partner with you in the transformation of our communities, transformation of our state and our nation and all across our world. Lord, help us to partner with you and see what you are calling us to do, to join you in your work, to see our lives redeemed and restored, but also all the lives and communities all around us redeemed and restored and made right. We long for that day when all will be well. We long for that day when there will be no tears falling from any eyes. We long for that day when none of us will experience the pain and the agony of grief and loss. We long for that day when when mothers and fathers don't have to lose their children to gun violence. We long for that day when, when terrible storms and droughts and And all these devastation all across the world will not happen anymore. Where fires will not burn up homes and take people's lives. We long for that day and we pray for it to come. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would give us courage and eyes to see how we might work with you to see that day come to fulfillment. Lord, we just continue to lament And cry out to you, this world is not as it should be. Help us to have faith to persevere. And to continue to be people of love and compassion. In a world that is full of a lot of hate. And a lot of negligence and a lot of just apathy towards those who need love. Lord, we need you so much. And I just pray that you would surround us with your love today, that that would be the firm foundation we could stand on. That when it seems like the world is kind of falling apart, that, Lord, we could stand on that firm foundation of your love and your commitment to us. And we would trust, God, in your plan. And we would trust in that, in that uh, just beautiful image at the end of, of the Scriptures that just long for that beautiful and wonderful day when all will be well, all will be restored, and all your people will be together once again. Help us to have joy as we long for that day, as we sang in the sweet by and by. And help us, Lord, to have courage and strength as we continue to walk in this life, as we receive so much of your blessing now, but we long to receive it in its fullness. We need you so much, Lord, and we ask you would meet us now. Now I ask that we'll join together and say this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when he walked among us here on earth. And Christians have been saying this prayer ever since. And so we join with the great cloud of witnesses who have come before us, who are alive now, and we will join with those who will come after us as we say this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Y'all can go find your way back to your seats. So, um, y'all can be praying for uh, Pastor Christina. She's not feeling too well this morning. 
Um, Christina had uh, originally planned to preach this morning and was geared up and ready to do it. Already had gotten her sermon finished and everything, but then texted me yesterday and said she wasn't feeling well like many, many other people. And so we can continue to, to lift up all of those who aren't feeling well this morning. And there's a lot of sickness going around. So grateful that all of you all can be here and that you're feeling healthy today. Um, and so naturally, when Christina can't preach, I'm like, what are we going to do? You know, I hope I don't have to prepare a sermon in one day, because that sounds like a bad idea. Um, but fortunately, um, one of our uh, folks who has been helping us on Monday nights and also participating here on Sunday mornings was planning on preaching tomorrow night, and so she offered to preach today. And so today, uh, we have a very special treat. Uh, my friend Mary Beth is going to be sharing with us, and so you can um, go and welcome her here to the front. Mary Beth is a student at Asbury Seminary, and she is gearing up to finish up here um, in the near future, and she's very excited about that. Mary Beth is also um, on a path, uh, kind of an ordination path within the United Methodist Church in a different state, and she's really excited about kind of gearing up to, to go into pastoral ministry, and so she uh, came to embrace and visited and just loved this church, and um, one thing that seminary students have to do is what they call mentored ministry. And it's a time where they have to like kind of do an internship at a local congregation. And they also encourage them to get in kind of ministries that are reaching out beyond the church walls. And so Embrace is a, a place where folks sometimes like to come. And Mary Beth loved our church so much that she asked if she could do her mentored ministry here. And so um, we've been ha happy to have her as a ministry intern here at our church, primarily working on Monday nights at the gathering and then also mentoring um, at Common Good with the after-school program. And so Mary Beth is the kind of person that she's just willing to jump in and do whatever is needed and just trust that God's going to be with her through it all. And so um, yesterday when Christina texted her and said, hey, could you have your sermon done one, more, one day early, and could you preach on Sunday morning also, uh, she of course said, yeah, I'd love to. And so um, let's give Mary Beth a, a round of applause one more time. And I'm going to get out of the way and turn it over to Mary Beth, and she has a, a word to share with us this morning. So exciting. Yeah. It's so cool to be here, and it is just genuinely um, such an honor to get to share a message here today. I do love this church, and I've been coming here for about a year off and on. Um, and so it's just very cool to get to be here and to get to stand in. Um, fortunately, like Christina said yesterday, not very often does somebody have something nearly prepared um, when somebody falls sick. So this was very lucky. The Lord is so kind to us. Um, so fortunately, our text for this week is not too scary. We are only talking about the apocalypse. Um, and so I know that having somebody that you've probably not seen before come up and announce that the text is about the end times could feel a little bit unnerving, but I think it'll be fun. So let's buckle in. Um, so in that vein, I thought it might be helpful to get us into the mindset um, of apocalypse, um, to share a little bit about um, an apocalypse that we, is all very recent in our collective memory, the year of our Lord 2020. Um, and I know, 
each of us could probably share a long story about all of the ways that 2020 impacted our lives. Um, obviously, COVID sent our nation into a bit of turmoil. There was political unrest, economic instability, the loss of jobs and homes, and so much tragic loss of life. Racial injustice came to a head far too many times, and the shockwaves of COVID really deepened the political divides that were already rampant in our nation. And so we had to adjust to life in this new normal and accept that all of these things were just going to keep coming and keep happening, and how do we, how do we adjust, right? And on top of that, I think all of us sort of had individual losses that we faced. I know I graduated college via Zoom, and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to a lot of people. Um, I lost a lot of relationships. I had struggles with my mental health. And I moved here to Kentucky with a brand new school, a new state, and I didn't know anybody. I do not recommend doing that during a pandemic. That was hard. Um, and so I call all of these images and memories back to our memory because I think it's a context that we can relate to from our recent past um, of a time when the world seemed like it was just falling apart at the seams one piece at a time. And that's much like the imagery that we're offered in our text this morning. So I'll go ahead and read that for us. It's the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. So it says, when some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts to God, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he and the time is near. But do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first but the end will not follow immediately. And then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. That's not the kind of text that you want to preach on your first Sunday in a new church. But I do believe that this text was meaningful to the original audience, and I think that it still offers us something very meaningful today. So let me set the stage for you a little bit. So we're in the Gospel of Luke, and if you've been here before for the last couple of weeks, we've been in Luke, the Gospel of Luke for several months now. Um, and the Gospel of Luke is one of four accounts of the life of Jesus in the Bible. And at this point, we're coming near to the end of Jesus' life and ministry. And so 
In the chapters prior to this passage that I just read, Jesus had just arrived in Jerusalem, and he's been spending a lot of time in the temple where he's been seeing a lot of injustice occurring. So people had turned the temple into a marketplace, and religious leaders were questioning his authority, and the rich were giving with absolutely no generosity, but the poor were giving everything that they had. And so now, Jesus has an opportunity to address his disciples, and it's one of his last chances to do this before he would leave them. And so what he shares here is the way that the temple, this place that was so valuable to the Jews and their religious life, but also where a lot of social and economic injustice is going on, this temple is going to be destroyed. And so not only that, the earth is going to see a lot of devastation, and the disciples are going to be persecuted. So now is a great opportunity to pause and talk a little bit about this apocalyptic language uh, that's being used. Apocalyptic meaning this sounds like the end of the world. Um, and I think it's important to talk about, at least for a minute, because I think sometimes um, the writing like this is very scary. Uh, when I spoke with Christina on Monday night, she said, so how are you feeling about this passage? And I said, yikes. <laughs> And I said, how are you feeling about this passage? And she said, yikes. And in all honesty, when I see stuff like this in scripture, I want to just skip over it and hope that it doesn't apply to me and move on to the really nice love your neighbor type stuff. Um, but yet, it's here for us to deal with. And so I do think that understanding the place of language like this can ease that tension a little bit. So throughout the Bible, different writers will sometimes write in this fashion, right, telling their original audience of some sort of turmoil that lies ahead. And these passages all have a lot in common. Some of them use very unsettling and challenging imagery. Many talk about a time of unrest or turmoil that will some, in some way culminate in um, some form of judgment or talk of eternity. Um, sometimes they're talking about the near future or a distant future. But the word apocalypse itself simply refers to a revealing or an unveiling. So that means that it's supposed to reveal to us some truth about the world. And so notice I did not say some incredibly clear and universal and literally applicable truth about the world. So these events could come to pass exactly as they're listed in some very measurable and predictable way or these events could come to pass in a way that's completely unexpected. But I think that trying to figure out exactly how and when these events are going to come to pass is pretty much impossible. Many have tried to predict the end of the world, and many have failed, as we are still here. But I think that perhaps it's because that is not the point of this passage. I think that perhaps we could do much greater work by trying to understand what that underlying revealed, unveiled truth is. And so when we view apocalyptic language in this way, not as some horrifying and condemning prescription of events that are going to bring terror upon us, but just as a way of writing that can sort of point us to truth and the truth about God and God's relationship to us, it can feel a little bit less daunting to tackle. So what is this truth? The way that I see it in this passage that I read, this truth is that hard times will inevitably come, but we have every reason to hold on to hope. 
And I want to make sure that that line does not come off as oversimplified or shallow because minimizing suffering is the last thing that I want to do here. Um, clearly, the hard times listed here are dismal, like wars, insurrection, earthquakes, famines and plagues and persecution. That is all so heavy. And many of those things actually reflect the real lives of the disciples that, that Jesus is talking to. Um, they were persecuted and they were betrayed and put on trial. But, and, and you and I and every person in this room can talk about the ways that we experience suffering in this world. All of these things, the, the hardships that we face, illness and anxiety and oppression and conflict and isolation and death even, all of these things are inevitable and they're going to touch all of us. But in this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, though it sounds a little bit harsh to hear all of this at once, he's trying to prepare his disciples for a coming reality. So remember, this is one of the last conversations that Jesus gets to have with his disciples before his crucifixion. So this is his opportunity to be a little bit transparent with them and prepare them for the fact that the road ahead is not going to be easy. Some of the disciples had this idea that the end is coming soon and we just got to hang out a little bit longer and we're going to see salvation. But this conversation from Jesus is his way of letting them know that that's not exactly how it's going to come to pass. So in the same way, we know that our lives are not going to be easy. And I think sometimes I can trick myself into thinking, well, I'm a Christian and I know God and like should be smooth sailing from here on out. And Jesus, the good friend that he is, reminds us that the road ahead is not, in fact, that easy. This conversation reminds me a little bit of going to the dentist. Um, the last time I went to the dentist a few months ago, I had to get some cavities filled. And I was sitting in the chair very nervous. And the dentist came in, and he explained every single step of the process of getting a cavity filled. He said, we're going to bring this big, long needle, and we're going to numb you. And we, you're, we're going to take a look at your cavities, and we're going to drill into your teeth. It's going to sound and smell horrible. And then we're going to fill, fill your cavities, and then we're going to grind them into the shape of teeth. And I thought that... And I thought to myself, I wish I did not know all of those things. Why are you telling me this? It was very rude. But then, I wish they would have just done it without telling me. But then I thought about it some more. And then I was like, this would be horrible if I didn't know what was going on. How much scarier would it be if I went in completely blind? And so I think in that, there's something valuable about knowing the hard things that lie ahead. This is a bit of the heart of the apocalyptic literature that we're reading, and it seems like Jesus wants to communicate with us that even if we are doing everything right, suffering will come. And knowing this, we might be able to better prepare for it. And so some of the things that were listed here in this passage did indeed come to pass. The temple was actually destroyed about 40 years after this conversation. The disciples were arrested and persecuted. Wars did break out. But Jesus is very careful to remind them that this is not the end. He writes in verse 9, these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. So the tricky thing about all of this discussion about the apocalypse is that once bad things start happening and, and sort of piling up, everyone goes, wait a second, is, is this it? Is this the end? That maybe even still happens today, if that's familiar. And yet, 
as is evidenced that we're still here today, that was not the end. So what does that mean for us, for those who are promised suffering in life, to continue on when this isn't the end? Jesus reassures us in this passage that we have everything that we need. By his grace, we can endure hardship and trust in the promises of Christ. The last two verses of this passage assure us, not a hair of your head will perish. By endurance, you will gain your souls. This is our hope in the suffering. And this hope that we have, though, it's not empty. It's not unfounded. And it's far beyond the crossing our fingers, blind optimism kind of hope. It's rooted in the character of Christ and, and we can begin to realize these things by diving into the handful of commands that Jesus gives us throughout this passage. Um, these commands are guideposts that offer us a little bit of insight into the direction of that hard work of finding hope in the suffering. So the first command is given in verse 8. He says, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he and the time is near, but do not go after them. And for me, this, this command feels a little bit tricky. You know, when teachers and religious authorities claim that they are sent from Jesus, how am I supposed to know who is telling the truth? In order to know who has the heart of Jesus and who is trying to deceive, there's one clear solution, and that's that we need to know the heart of Jesus really well. We can do this by taking a step back and asking whether the people who could be leading us astray really align with the character of Jesus as he's revealed in the stories of scripture. John reminds us, Jesus reminds us in John 10 that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and so they're able to recognize a stranger in their midst. And so in the same way, the more that we get to know the heart of Christ, the more we can recognize when somebody looks a little bit different and is trying to lead us astray. Jesus' next command is immediately following in verse 9. Um, the verse says, When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. So again, our hope here is in the assurance that this is not the end. Our ability to set aside our fear can come from a trust that Jesus is faithful to his promises to the very end. And we don't need to be terrified because Jesus is preparing us for all of these things that are going to happen. And so when we see these things happening, we say, Jesus told me about that. I remember. And I just have to sit tight and trust that the Lord is at work even when things seem like they're falling apart. The next command um, in verses 12 through 15 are preparing the disciples for a really tough scenario. It says, you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name, and this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. And these disciples, they're not trained speakers, and they're apparently not even rehearsed speakers. But yet, they're encouraged to believe that their witness is going to be effective in the most stressful moment of their life through Jesus' power alone. 
as a person who experiences the occasional anxiety, uh, I can say that there are not a lot of major conversations that I've had that I haven't had a hundred times in my head in the days leading up to it. And even like growing up in youth group, we were told to have a little elevator pitch of our faith of Jesus at the ready, just in case a friend puts us on the spot and makes us tell our life story with Jesus in 30 seconds, that you always have to be prepared. And so this is crazy that he's saying, don't be prepared. I'll tell you, don't worry. These disciples, knowing that they could face arrest and trial, should willingly not think about the kind of things to say to defend themselves against their own lives? How does that work? So this is because Jesus is promising them that he will be with them, that, that he will be empowering them, and that he will give them words that are far more eloquent and far more convincing than anything that they could prepare for themselves. Right? And so this resonates with another account of Jesus' last conversations with his disciples, um, but this time in the Gospel of John. Um, in this conversation, Jesus promises his disciples that he will send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be with them. The Holy Spirit will remind them of Jesus' teaching, will testify to the witness of Christ, and will guide them into truth. And this same Holy Spirit promised to the disciples in the Gospel of John is the same spirit that will be with them, that he's assuring will be able to defend them in their time of trial. And not only can they safely hope in these steady promises of Jesus, but they can put their trust in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is at work within them and will speak through them when things get tough. So this final command that Jesus offers in this passage lies in the very last verse. It says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. So I know this doesn't quite sound like a command, but that word you will gain in the original Greek is really more written like a command. So it's saying you will need to be in, in you will need to have endurance, so gain your life. Put in the work to gain your life. Other translations write stand firm and you will win your life. So this is a command to endure. Endurance, or we sometimes see it written in the New Testament as perseverance. They're the same word. Um, it's something that we're called to time and time again throughout all the rest of the New Testament. Um, in the book of James, for example, he tells us that endurance is the product of a well-tested faith and that it breeds in us maturity and wholeness. For those with this kind of perseverance, James writes, they will receive the crown of life. Right, Hebrews 12, we talk about the cloud of witnesses that encourages us in our faith. And that, that same passage tells us to run the race of life with endurance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who displayed the ultimate picture of endurance through his death on the cross. And fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith who sits at the right hand of the Father in glory. And so by identifying with the sufferings of Jesus, we can make our suffering a little bit more like his suffering. And we're able to follow in his example and partake in the glory that is to come. Finally, Romans 15.4 tells us explicitly of this com uh, connection between endurance and hope. It says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us 
so that through endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. So despite the trials and the suffering that are absolutely going to come our way, and despite whatever is going on in the world that makes it seem like it is falling apart at the seams, we have the benefit of the testimonies of those who have gone before us, both throughout the body of scripture and in our own lives, to remind us that we can indeed endure and we can gain our lives. And this is our reason for hope in the suffering. So let me clarify, endurance through trial does not mean just waiting passively and ducking our head from all of the bad things that are, that are going on around us, from the debris of a crumbling world. Endurance requires continued effort. So this is maintaining our focus on Jesus, understanding the truth that we are called to, continuing to get to know Jesus more and more, and understanding his heart, whether it's through study of scripture or prayer or meditation. We have to continue discerning and wrestling with hard things, and we have to support other people along the journey with us. And I'm not a runner, but I hear that building endurance doesn't come by just passively standing near a race and waiting for it to finish. There's, there's a lot of hard work involved, and you have to put in the work and train yourself to be ready to engage with the work that's before us. But there is good news. You have everything that you need. So to take us back to that imagery of 2020, and I remember feeling in 2020 like I had no idea when things were ever going to get better. I remember thinking, this is, this is the end. Like, Everything seems horrible. There doesn't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And things felt bad for a really, really long time. But each of us here is living proof that two, three years later, like, we're here, right? Endurance is possible, even through some of life's toughest trials. Even during seasons of life where things feel the most bleak, you can endure, and that endurance will produce hope. Hope doesn't let that story end. Hope recognizes that though your feelings and your experiences of suffering are inc incredibly valid, it won't always feel this way. And hope testifies to the goodness of God that transcends our suffering. Hope has faith that even in persecution, not a hair on our head will perish, for we can gain our souls. And hope assures us that though we live in this world that's rampant with suffering, the heart of God is for restoration, redemption, and making all things new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. encouraging message to hear this morning in the midst of a, a scary passage in many ways, you know. I'm going to share a song with you all, and the words will be on the screen so you can kind of follow along, but Christina, 
told me about this song earlier in the week. I want to read the words to the chorus for you. It says, And I don't know the end or tomorrow's story, but I have found the one who gives me rest. So I don't know the end, I don't know tomorrow's story, but I have found the one who gives me rest. And I will make my bed in his promises, for he holds true when nothing's left. You know, like Mary Beth told us and Jesus told us a long time ago, uh, hard things will come. There's, uh, as Rich Mullins said in a song he wrote, he said, there's bound to come some trouble in your life. <laughs> he said, reach out to Jesus and hold on tight. He's been there before and he knows what it's like and you'll find he's there. And, and the song I'm going to sing is, is kind of about this idea that we're going to go through all sorts of different things in our lives, good, bad, terrible. Yet, uh, Jesus can be with us uh, through it all, and he promises us he's going to walk with us. And so, I just want to sing this for you all, and y'all can, like, take some time just to reflect and kind of sit in, in whatever uh, you heard today through the sermon, through the words of this song, and then we'll close uh, with communion and a song after that. feet have known the snow, but mine eyes have seen the glory of a seed begin to grow. There is a time to uproot dark, but most days just hold on tight. For there's a time for darkness, honey, but dawn will always be the night. Sometimes death will come calm when you've been good and warm, and other times it's cold hands from cradles. Dreams yet to be born. There is a time to dance on sorrow and a time to kiss her cheek. There is a time to mourn in silence, but justice aches to hear you speak. I don't know the end or tomorrow's story, but I have found the one who gives me rest. I will make my bed in his promises, for he holds true when nothing's left. When nothing's left.
time when laughter will echo through your halls of peace. But war is known to change your locks and carry off the family keys. There is a time for healing and pain. Time for drought and a time for rain. There is a time for everything until we crown the risen king. Until we crown the risen king. And I don't know the end or tomorrow's story. I have found the one who gives me rest. And I will make my bed in his promises. For he holds true and nothing's left. When nothing's left. is life and we are made alive by the king who paints beauty with time by the king who paints beauty with time by the king who paints beauty with time and I don't know the end or tomorrow's story but I have found the one who gives me rest. And I will make my bed in his promises. For he holds true when nothing's left. When nothing's left. We're going to share communion together. So if you want to go ahead and get out your communion elements. If you don't have a communion cup and you would like one, 
Brother Rick is back there with the basket. Just raise your hand and he'll be happy to bring one to you. It wasn't too long after Jesus said those words um, that we read today that, that he then went and they found kind of an upper room and a home, probably some kind of safe house, you know, because they, they had a lot of people out to get them. They, they had kind of raised a lot of commotion and the authorities were, were trying to find Jesus to arrest him. And so they were hiding out in the house and they were sharing a kind of final moment together before Jesus was arrested taken off to his kind of mock trial and then execution on the cross. Before that, they had kind of a somber but really meaningful moment together, and they shared a final meal together. And during that meal, he, he and we heard some of those words even today um, in John, but he, he laid out just kind of a, the essence of his teachings. He laid out the essence of his life and what he represented and what he wanted his friends to know before um, he left them. And he continued to repeat to them, hey, do not be afraid. Lots of stuff's going to happen. Do not be afraid. He says, remain in me and love one another. Do not be afraid. Remain in Jesus and love one another. That is the essence of all that Jesus stood for. And, and that's what I often think about when I share communion. So we can reflect on that as we share communion today. See, I want to bow your heads with me. God, thank you so much for being there for us. We thank you that you are firm, you are secure, you are immovable, that, that we can stand on solid ground because we stand on you. God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these communion elements we have today, this bread and juice or whatever those at home we're worshiping online have set aside for this purpose. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these common and ordinary things and make them be for us something extraordinary, something beautiful, something that we need today. Lord, we love you. And God, we love you because you, you loved us first and you continue to love us. We thank you that your love is strong, it's steadfast. Because your love is steadfast, we can be steadfast. Help us to rest in that today. Lord, we love you and thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And I invite you to take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So I invite you all to stand as you're able as we sing our closing song together.
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. Show those around 
Thank you all so much for coming together today and worshiping with us and just being a part of this. This is important. I love that we have such a good crew of people that commit to being here and just want to gather each and every week. And this really sustains me and empowers me for, you know, trying to live this kind of crazy life that we're all trying to live right now. And so I hope God spoke to you and filled you up in some way this morning. And God fills us up in order so we may pour out. He fills us up so that we can pour out. That's the cycle that we live. And so uh, this is one way that we do that uh, every single week. Before y'all uh, head out, I do want to highlight a few things for you that are important here in our community. Um, first, if you're visiting with us, welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to come here today. I hope you have felt at home. If you uh, are visiting, I love when you all fill out a connect card. They're in your pews and you can put them in the box here by the door or in the back. Just fold it and stick it in there and uh, that'll get to the right place. If you have prayer uh, requests, you can also put those on there and anyone can put those in the box and those get to the right spot. If you'd like to give and, and make that kind of a, a way that you worship this morning by giving um, something that we often cling so tightly to, which is our, our resources, then um, you're invited to do that as well by giving in the box there or you can give online on our website at embraceyourcity.com. And then I do want to just ask you to make sure you get an announcement sheet on your way out if you did not get one on your way in. There's some new announcements on there that are important, and I really would love for you all to read those. One that I want to highlight is that the Common Good Christmas Store is starting up again. We do this every Christmas. We partner with Common Good, who is, which is the nonprofit in our basement. And Common Good does a really neat thing every year for the students in their program, for the families. They have a Christmas store. And so what happens is that people take lists, and so like you all, um, there are lists for every, every student. And you take a list and you go buy the things on the list, and then you bring them, and those get put in the Christmas store, and families come and shop, and they buy those things at um, about 80% 80, 80 off or so, 90% uh, off, so it's a really good deal. Um, but they come and they get to pick out gifts for their kids, and, and it's really uh, just a wonderful, empowering, and dignifying way to do 
um, this kind of ministry, uh, and I just love the way Common Good has done this for years and years, and gives parents an opportunity, maybe who have lots of kids and not a lot of money, to be able to buy presents for their kids and bless them um, during Christmas time. And so we get to partner with families in that, which is a really exciting thing. And so if you would be willing to take one of those lists, um, you can email uh, Rachel um, or Christina, and, and they can give those to you. I think Rachel has some here, actually paper copies this morning as well. And so if you would like to take one with you today, then she can do that, or you can let us know and we'll give you one uh, online as well. We can give, send you an electronic copy of it. Um, but we would love folks to take them. I think around, it's about $100, I think. Is that right? $120, okay. I know we have some common good people here. Um, it's about $120 for a list. Um, if you can't afford that by yourself, uh, totally fine. You can partner with somebody else. Um, you can also just make a donation um, and somebody else can shop for you. If you don't really have the ability to get out and shop on your own um, or that feels overwhelming to you, you can just donate the money and then a staff person will go out and do that and shop for those lists for you. So um, let, let me know if you have any questions and we can help you with that. I think that's all the, the big things I have to mention. If you want to help us in our survey that we're doing for our strategic planning, um, today is kind of the last day you need to do that. And so um, that went out through email and we can, there's paper copies on the table also. So with that being said, if y'all would prepare your hearts to receive the benediction, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace.